Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk joining you on a Friday morning. Thanks for joining us and starting your weekend at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. Appreciate all of our great listeners out there, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. You want to start your day the right way, start it with Strange Brew Coffee at the locations in Starkville or Tupelo. And, you know, we've been giving so much love to Strange Brew lately, and as well we should, but they got delicious treats over at Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. So you're looking to put a smile on your face, maybe that's the way to go, a Sunday or a an ice cream, uh, I'm sorry, a milkshake or, or whatever you want. And don't forget, you know, Valentine's Day coming up, I'm just saying a lot of dads and probably a lot of moms wouldn't mind a homemade ice cream cake from the good folks over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon. So whatever you're looking to do to make yourself a little happier, they've got you taken care of over there at Strange Brew Coffee House. Humble talk. No, 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 not them. Nope. Out of order. Out of order. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. College Corner. Wants to remind you of the four magic words. New year, new gear. We are three weeks away to the day. At the start of the baseball season, come cheer on the defending and reigning national champions in new gear. Look good as you cheer for that first ever national championship team. And you do it with a purchase from College Corner. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're originally by Fleet Feet. Fleet Feet. Fleet, 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 or Fluid by the Half Shell. Or you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Humble Taco. There they are. Sarville's newest and best Mexican restaurant, Mexican Fair. With Mississippi roots, this weekend they'll be serving brunch. You don't want to miss that. It's you know as I've been saying all along, the menu is so unique at Humble Taco. The brunch is unique as well. It's not your your normal uh, eggs Benedict happening over there at Humble Taco. Check that out this weekend. And of course, anytime you want to grab a margarita, some chips and salsa, and a couple of delicious tacos, they got you taken care of there at Humble Taco. We're looking for a quick and easy and delicious lunch. Firehouse Subs is probably the way to go. Locations to serve you in Starkville, Columbus, Tupelo, Oxford, Madison, and Flowood. And they're always easy to use because you're going to download the Firehouse Subs app. You're going to place your order through that. Just come in, say your name, pick up your order, and you're you're home free. Easy does it, and you're piling up reward points every time you place an order. Check them out at at Humble Taco. I'm all over the place today at Firehouse Subs. Get it together. We have a show to do. What's going on with me? I don't know. Ask yourself that. Look in the Hold mirror. On, I'm going to slap myself. Hold on. All right. Jeez. Get it together, Brian. All right. Gosh. If, if it gets any worse, I'm going to require a uh, a Ric Flair chop from you. Chest chop or face chop? No, chest chop. I'm okay. not going to let you chop. I'm not going to let you chop my face. That would be no good. Okay. I'll, I'll give you a choice. You can do Ric Flair style or you can do the Big Show full palm style. It'll probably be a, a Ric Flair style. Okay. okay. I don't really have the... You don't have the the umph, umph, yeah, yeah. I, I, you're tall. You man. have that. You have the umph behind. You could probably get. You could probably give more of a you. big show slap. So, speaking of wrestling, we will finish this show with our Royal Rumble predictions. But before we get to that, let's talk basketball. Mississippi State, a huge game 
Is huge the right word? Am I using the right word there? Um, for it's a huge opportunity. We'll say that the Texas Tech game. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a top, it is. What top twenty net team? This is an opportunity for a quad one win. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good basketball team. State's playing on the road. Um, they're a quality team. Four players in double figures, led by Mac McClung. That's a name you might be familiar with. He's one of the he's one of the top shooters in college basketball, uh, shooting uh, you know forty two percent. I mean, this guy's a guard. 42% from the field, uh, 34% from behind the arc. Uh, just a quality player, averaging about 16 points a game. This is When you look at Texas Tech, defensively they're quite good. Uh, they, they, are, they, are a, they, they get stops on defense, but they do it with defense, I guess that's the way to put it. They, and what I mean by that is they don't dominate the boards. They don't block a ton of shots. They're just a quality defensive team. They only give up about 63 points per game. They're outscoring their opponents by an average of about 10 points per game. Teams are only shooting uh, 41% against them, uh, only shooting th- now shooting 34% behind the line, which isn't terrible. So there's some opportunities to be had in the three-point game, but that gosh, that's sort of where State's kind of weak. Just on paper, I feel like this is a team that's going to drive State crazy. A good, hard-nosed defensive team. State's going to have to be disciplined in their half-court offense, and when they get open looks, they're going to have to make them. We saw them play great 20 minutes of basketball Tuesday night against Kentucky. Can they carry any momentum into Saturday following that? I think you have to if you want to have a shot in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the first half for Mississippi State at Kentucky was not very good. No. They, they weren't very good offensively, and... Uh, you know, I, I think they've been pretty good this year on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. And they they hit some big shots in in that second half, and they had some possessions there where they were they were scoring um, enough to to really kind of disrupt what Kentucky was wanting to do. And on the defensive end, they were getting stops. So State's been really efficient on that end, but they've got to be even more efficient in this game. I think this is an even tougher matchup for Mississippi State. Kentucky was was missing Ty Ty Washington. They they, I didn't think that they played extremely well in that game. Um, you know, Shibway was really good, but that I, I think this Texas Tech matchup is is much more difficult for this team. It's not the best matchup for them, looking at it on paper. But um, you know, I still think that Mississippi State is capable of beating some really good teams on the road. They just got to go do it. This is going to be a tough one. I I'm not going to predict a Mississippi State win right. in this game, but. I think that they can they can definitely take something from their game at Kentucky, bring it into this one, and and at least give themselves a shot down the stretch. Obviously, for Mississippi State, it kind of starts and stops with Iverson Molinar. If he doesn't play well, I don't think State can do anything. And what I mean by that is, I don't think that you can't convince me that there's a game where Molinar plays poorly and. Mo- Garrison Brooks and Shaquille Moore and DJ Jeffries kind of pick up all of that slack. State needs those guys to play well and Molinar to play well. Yeah. I, I especially, again, I don't expect Tolu Smith in this one. So Molinar has to sort of deliver you know, a similar game to what he did on uh, Tuesday night where he had 30 points. Don't know if you saw this today. My friend Theo, our friend Theo DeRosa tweeted this out. Guy I follow, I should have checked it. Sam Vecini, who covers the NBA draft uh, for the Athletic, had his uh, top 100 come out. Had Iverson Molinar as the number 30 available prospect, that would be a first-round selection. Are you surprised to see Molinar that high uh, on on a, on a list like that? 
Not really, because he's starting to turn a lot of heads. Mm-hmm. I think the other night, being on primetime on ESPN, I thought really opened some eyes. There was a lot of people that haven't had a chance to really sit down and watch him play. But for him to just kind of take over the ball game like he did and score in so many different ways in that game, I think that really that really opened some eyes. And the more I hear from people that have been around the game and that cover it for a living, I mean, you hear the announcers talking about it, a lot of respected announcers that have, that have talked about it. Um, I, the more I hear from them, the more I believe that Iverson has a chance to be a really good NBA player. Um, you know, the, the measurables might not look super impressive, but he's just – he is a great basketball player. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's so fluid. The three-point shooting is not good this year for him, mm-hmm. but he's scoring in so many different ways. He's yeah. so difficult to stop on the dribble. He can pull up and he can beat you from mid-range from 15 feet out. He can get to the rim and, and score on you. He can finish in traffic against big players. He's going to be, I think, a really, really good pro. And – like I said, the more I hear from all these people that that are talking about him on social media and on uh, on, on ball games and, and and such, the more I believe that he could be a first round draft pick and he could be a guy that fi- you finally get a guy that really sticks mm-hmm. on a roster in the NBA. State's got all these guys that are right on the verge, yeah, but they don't have anybody that is just a every night player in right. the NBA. They're they're two way stars. They're playing for. The G League, and then they get caught up to the main roster every now and then. They need a guy that stick. They need a guy that's going to be playing every night. And I think Iverson is your first chance to see that that kind of player. Molinar gives you some versatility too, in that he can play with one or the two. Yeah. He can be a guy who comes in for offense, but he can also be a guy to come in and distribute. He can handle the basketball, and also such a clutch free throw shooter. I mean, something you know that's something NBA teams are going to want to look at. You know, a guard who can't shoot free throws is is a no good. You got to be able to shoot. And he's shooting what eighty seven, eighty eight percent on the year. And that's you know, I. I think that Hallen, there's more people that that talk about the 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 downside of Ben Hallen, mm-hmm. and you know they haven't been in the NCAA tournament enough. They're not winning enough big games, things like that. But you have to give him credit for not only recruiting, but the development that he's done with these players. I mean, the development. Look at the, look at where these players are in year two and year three in the system. Yeah, even DJ Stewart. Mm. I mean, that's a, that's a guy that redshirted his first year. Got better every year. He was a star last year. Yeah, Iverson Molinar was not very good his first year. Right, got better. Made a big jump last well, year. Going he made back, a jump this look year. Look at Q. Q was a was is another good example. Yeah. you know, um, I, I thought that Robert Woodard really developed. He's done a great job developing players, and I think players in the NBA that have been coached by him, some really good ones, by the way. I think they would say the same thing about him. He's a great developer of talent. Yeah, and 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 Molinar could end up being sort of his uh his crown jewel as far as that goes. What's interesting is the Russell Westbrook comparisons you've seen on him. There's a lot of I things. If, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that he's Russell he's Westbrook. He's not as explosive an athlete. No 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 no. He's Russell he's Russell Westbrook light. Yeah, but you see a lot of similarities in, well, in some go ways. Go back to what Howland told us a year ago. He said that. Prior to last year, the biggest jump he had seen year one to year two was Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And this year, and now he said, now it's Iverson Molinar. And he was right. Oh, Molinar took a massive jump last season, and he's found another level this year. Yeah. But, again, is that going to be enough? Because I think Molinar, cannot, he can get his points. He's got to drag another teammate with him. 
Yep. He's got to have Brooks show up on Saturday and get 15, 16 points. He needs 10, 11 points out of either Moore or Jeffries and really could go for that out of both of them. They've got to balance the scoring a little bit. And like I said, this is not a team, Texas Tech, that kills you on the board. They're, they don't have a Shwebway that's just going to go out there and just dominate the me- the, uh, the message boards, the, the backboards for them. Their leading rebounder on the season only averages 6.4 rebounds per game. They have two guys, 6.4 and 6.3. So they don't have a guy in there who's averaging 9, 10, 11 rebounds. So it feels like physically State can be won't be at any kind of disadvantage here in this game, even without Tolu Smith playing. Now they've got to find a way to take advantage of it. This is a huge opportunity for Mississippi State. We went through it the other day with all the different net rankings and talked about, you know, outside of South Carolina, excuse me, there's some huge games coming up. Texas Tech is currently 15th as we record, uh, you know, this is from yesterday. So, and obviously they're not going to play between now and then. Uh, so they're 15th in the net. Huge opportunity for Mississippi State. A one of many over these next six games. Robbie, give me a guy to watch other than Molinar. We'll, we'll, we'll put the Dak Prescott rule in effect for Dak, for Iverson Molinar. Who else has got to show up in this game for you? Javion Davis. How about that? Wow, okay. A little off the radar. Go ahead. Um, I, I really think that State in this game is going to try to command the paint, whether it be you know driving inside, Iverson Molinar finishing around the rim, or even Shaquille Moore or somebody like that. I think State's going to try to d- demand some attention inside the paint and try to try to control um, the points in the paint, rebounds, things like that. Javion Davis needs to step up in this ball game. This is one of these games that you need a big man to step up. You need him to, to play really well. And I I think Garrison Brooks is at his best when he's playing the four. When he, he he's not a guy that I that I think you can really count on to to dominate as a as a center. But he's a really good mid-range shooter. He can step out and shoot the three, two, um, and, and even you know sometimes he might be able to to take someone off the dribble. He's athletic for a big guy. I think Javion Davis is more of a traditional center, mm-hmm. and you're going to need him to to play big in this ball game with Tolu out. I agree with that. That I mean, you need points down low. He can certainly deliver that. The hope is you're you're not trading twos for threes. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Mississippi State can be really efficient mm-hmm. offensively in the half court in this game. Um, and I think they're going to attack the rim and kind of force everything inside. Mm-hmm. But you, you've got to be able to defend the three-point shot and make sure you're not trading those those three-pointers for twos. Yeah. That, that doesn't do anything for you. No, I, I totally agree with that. And, and, yeah, second chance points, anything involving rebounding in a game like this is going to be huge uh, for, for Mississippi State. I think I'm going to go another way with this. And, and what I'll say is, if you go back and look at the game on uh, on Tuesday, State didn't get a ton from the bench. They didn't get a lot from the starters either. But I feel like in a game where you, where you know the team is going to play good defense against you, your second your second tier guys are important. So I'm I'm going to sort of stay with you and go off the bench and go with Rocket Watts. Uh, you know, came back had nine points in that game. Uh, gave had a couple of big buckets, but. He's another guy that, you know, one of these transfers that has just battled injuries and has just not had a chance to be consistent. But I know the talent is there. I'd like to see him step up in this game and just provide some, you know, if you can get a guy in double digits off the bench, that's going to go a long way for Mississippi State in this game. So let's keep an eye on Rocket Watts in this one. I think we're both saying that State this is going to be a tough game for Mississippi State to win. If I had to make a prediction, something like Texas Tech 70-61, to, to 61, something like that. Yeah. 
That wouldn't be terrible. I think State probably moves up in the net. That's the thing about these games, but the problem is this. They can can lose this game and move up. They lost on Tuesday. Eventually, it's going to go the other way. It's going to reset. You you can't lose all – like I said, I think five of the next six, you should plan to be an underdog. You can't lose all five. Yeah. You can't. At some point, it doesn't matter. And again, I mean, you're working, too, with a committee at a certain point, so the net is not going to be the end-all, be-all. It's just it's, it's a nice reference point. Stacking up losses does nothing in the end. So while I think even if you lose this game, you probably move up, you're going to have to get wins at some point. Some it's what point. we've talked about for several weeks. Mm-hmm. State's got to build a resume. And it can't just be by playing good teams. They've got to build a resume by beating good teams. There's going to be ha- there's going to have to be two or three teams here down the stretch that state upsets that they weren't supposed to beat. Um, and then you got to beat all those teams that you're supposed to beat. You can't have any letdowns from here on out. So, um, you know, I'm not predicting a win, but. One would certainly go a long way. Yeah, I agree with that, hundred uh, percent. Let's stay on basketball before we go to the uh, the break. There, let's talk the women. Addition by subtraction, Robbie Falk, Mississippi State's women. No Rakia Jackson, no problem. A dominating win over Missouri, seventy-seven sixty-two. They were hitting from behind the arc. Yes, fourteen three pointers. Wow, fourteen for twenty-seven. They shot fifty-two percent. And that is a season high on both of those numbers, 51% overall. I mean, I I hate to say addition by subtraction and, t- and take away, you know, how good a player Rakia is, mm-hmm. but they they really have looked a lot better when she's not in the lineup. It's it's kind of strange, but sometimes it works that way when you have a when you have a. a a player of that magnitude this, that demands that kind of attention, and she's got one thing in mind most of the time, and that's scoring the basketball. A lot of times that takes away from a lot of things that you want to do as a team offensively. What you've seen in the three games without Rakia is, in my opinion, Doug Novak. That the, the offense that Mississippi State runs when Rakia's not in there is, do, is Doug Novak's. Um, I, I just I don't think they've, they've – at, at hardly any point this season, I don't think that they've been able to do that because when Rakia's got the ball in her hands, more often than not, she's looking to score the basketball. Tonight, you saw, or Thursday night, you saw an offense that flowed. You saw an offense that rotated the basketball, that moved without the basketball, quickly got shots off, got good looks. It was very difficult for Missouri to get set defensively. That There's been many times this year where the zone has really stifled Mississippi State's offense because they've just been standing around. They haven't been able to shoot the, the three very well. But Katerion Thompson really changed that for Mississippi State. 27 points a, a season in Mississippi State high. She had She's had 30-plus point games at Bowling Green, but mm-hmm. this is the most points she scored at Mississippi State. 27 points, hit seven three-pointers, 7-12, seven 10-15. She is a she is one of the better pure shooters that we've seen at Mississippi State since, uh, you know, Victoria Vivians and Blair Schaefer and, and that crew. Um, they haven't had a pure three point shooter like that in a long time, and you're seeing kind of what she can do. She's just she's just been a role player the last two years, but they're now looking for her to step up and hit some big shots. She's got a great stroke, um, and really got hot from three point range from the start, and I thought she was huge. And when you're able to do that, 
this offense is so much better for Mississippi State. They don't have a true post player, so you're not going to be able to uh, command attention down low and 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 take players one on one in the post. So when you're able to do that, I mean that's that is a game changer for this offense. And I mean, 77 points when you have nine available players and only eight of them played. That's huge. You lost 20 points per game, and somehow you look better tonight than than any point. And listen, that's a that's a good Missouri team. They beat uh, number one South Carolina. That's the mm-hmm. only loss South Carolina has, yeah. and that was without their best player Asia Blackwell, who had 17 and 16 against State. So I mean, three and zero without Rakia Jackson, uh, and I, I figured up some of the numbers, and this is skewed a little bit because um, you know Mississippi State played better teams uh, with Rakia in the SEC play, mm-hmm. and they played some bad teams too, so her numbers might be a little different. But they went 9-7 and seven with her, shot 41%, 27% from three. Without her, they're 3-0, and oh, shot 47%, and 36% from three. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to take away from that because it's, there's so many different variables going into that, but I do think – watching the three games that they've won against lesser competition than South Carolina and Ole Miss, Mm -hmm. I do think that they look more cohesive and more fluid, especially on the offensive end. When we think about this team and, and, and you know, the the, the rest of the way that the games they've got to play, you know, I asked the other day, I was like, you know, what what is it going to look like? They're 12-7 and on the year. They have games remaining with uh, Texas A&M. Not a bad team. Not a good team. Not a good team. Not a, but they're not the worst team. They're one and eight in SEC play. Never mind. <laughs> I know that Auburn's one and eight in SEC play because you just told me that a few minutes ago. Yeah, and they've actually beaten somebody good. They beat, they beat Tennessee. Tennessee. What about Florida? They are a significantly better. Because they've been bad Since for a long time. They have an interim head coach, okay. and they've they've oh, that's got. That's right. They had all those issues. Yeah. They've had two. Uh, top twenty-five wins, I think, in a row. <coughs> so I think they beat Tennessee. Maybe, maybe not. I, I can't remember who they beat, but they've got two top twenty-five wins, I believe, in a row. And that, I think they've won like four or five games straight. Ole Miss and Starkville, LSU and Starkville. LSU is obviously very good with Kim Mulkey. Return trip with Missouri out to Columbia, and then Tennessee and then Arkansas. <sighs> if they could win, what four more games? You know, I mean, three more games. You probably call that a pretty successful season, considering everything that's happened this year. Yeah, you win four more games, and you might be might in the postseason. I mean, I mean, they got they got a shot. Yeah, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get some wins here to. to but listen, I don't I don't think they're that far away from NCAA tournament. Right. It's just that I don't see a whole if, lot of wins. I mean, they're gonna have to beat. If they Tennessee. had a, a real post player, they oh man, that's, yeah, they'd be different. And by the way, I, I've been kind of hinting at this and mm-hmm. giving some thoughts. Yeah, you saw the you Jessica about Carter this. is officially, we believe she's coming back next year. Yeah, um, I saw her pregame with the team. Awesome that she's she's back with the team. Mm-hmm. She's um, we I asked Doug Novak after the game, kind of what what her status is, mm-hmm. and he said she's had some just some great individual workouts Mm -hmm. she's been working with bob thornton who was an an nba coach and an nba player that's a great person to be working with with some individual workouts so she's been getting back into shape and back into the flow but she hasn't played basketball in almost a year Mm -hmm. so um back with the team too and it was really cool to see her on the sidelines tonight 
interacting with players, and I think that's going to be good for Mississippi State. Doug Novak says just it, it sucks looking down there and realizing he can't put six five in the ball game because mm-hmm. she would significantly change this team. Yeah. I mean, she would significantly change it. Mm-hmm. I I think that they they would have definitely beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. I think with her, they probably they probably win three or four more games right now. They'd be an NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament team. Probably ranked. I mean, if you, they're twelve I, and it, seven. If you're telling me they were sixteen and four, yeah, sixteen and three. She would be. Um, she would be a game changer. Yeah. It's, it just and you were right. It by the stinks. Way. Arkansas did beat LSU. Beat them pretty easily. Ninety to six. Ninety to seventy six. That's a that's a, a Arkansas team that I I hate their style of play mm-hmm. because. I can't stand just relying on three point shot. Right, and it's why Arkansas hasn't really done anything under Mike Neighbors. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's gotten some big wins, and you're going to get some big wins against teams. You're going to get some upsets, but you if you have that style of play and you just fully rely on three point shot for the most part, you're you're in for some bad nights too. And they were in for a bad night against State until the you know second half, but. You're going to see nights like that for for Arkansas. They're going to get some big upsets like that, but they're also going to have some yeah. bad losses too. All right, well, let's move on into the second half of the show. We'll talk some baseball here, and that's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that, hey, when you head over to the grocery store, if you're putting beef in the cart, not only are you making your, a great decision for your family, you're providing a delicious and nutritious meal for them, but you're also helping 15,000 of your fellow Mississippians who are beef providers here in this state. It's cold outside, maybe a pot of chili, maybe a bowl of beef stew, perhaps some vegetable beef soup. A lot of great options with beef. If you're looking for recipes, go to msbeef.org. You can find some great ones there. And, of course, beef, it's what's for dinner, thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats. <coughs> Excuse whoa. me. Whoa. What? We're almost done. With the, just I, it, just, it just came out of nowhere. I'm sorry. Hold it together. Apologies. Man. Apologies. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. That's the place to find smoked southern soul. I started thinking about smoke, and my lungs were just like, ah. Yeah, it happens. But that's the good smoke, the hickory smoke, the yes. mesquite. Those, those good things that, you know, people love to, to taste on their food, which you will taste at Two Brothers Smoked Meats because it's smoked southern soul food. It's not the devil's smoke. No, it's not that at all. So, that's a good call, Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Uh, anyway. Delicious food, great atmosphere, fun times. They've got it all there at Two Brothers. It's in the right smack dab in the middle of the Cotton District. Great spot to people watch, but an even better spot to grab a meal. So next time you're in Starville, you know what to do. Head over to Two Brothers Smoked Meats. They don't make it any easier than what Advantage Business Systems offers you. We're talking about great products and great service. But great products goes beyond just a, a decent selection. We're talking about an incredible selection. Everything your business is needing from a technological standpoint, every copy or printer, uh, computer, software, information and mailing systems, all the top names, they're right there. And then when we talk about great service, we're not just, you know, okay, handshake and uh, all right, get on out of here. We'll see you. Never. No, we're talking about, hey, here's our number. It's a local Mississippi number. When you call us and you tell us you've got a problem, we're coming to fix that problem. We're not sending you overseas and telling you, okay, well, we'll get there when we get there. No. You're talking about dealing with a Mississippi business first and foremost. Call them today and put 47 years of experience to work for you. Their number is 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Let's go to the phone lines. I talked earlier today to Baseball America's Teddy Cahill. Great interview, I think, with him. 
Uh, we hit on a lot of MSU stuff, but some great stuff around the SEC. A very interesting season coming in the SEC. Let's talk to Teddy Cahill of Baseball America about that. All right, so joining me now, Teddy Cahill from Baseball America. Always great to talk to him because it means college baseball is pretty close to happening. Teddy, you guys had MSU third in, in your first poll of the season. That's as high as I've seen them ranked. I feel like when people do these interviews, they always sort of try to nitpick, oh, well, State lost this or whatever the team is. They lost this for me last year. Why so high? Let's go the other way with that. What do you like about this Mississippi State team to put them at third? Well, you know, I you got to like that, first of all, they're returning a lot of players that just won a national championship. I, I think that you, you notice that, obviously. I like that Landon Sims is back, and I like him as a Friday starter. I mean, he was great in his role last year, and it was a really important role, and they won the national championship in part because they were able to have him in that role. But as a Friday starter, I, I think he can be one of the best in the country. Um, and they've got a lot of power offensively. they got a lot of power arms. You know, we saw all of that last year. So, I mean, really, I, I like the depth. I like the talent that I see in Starkville. What about the coaching staff? You know, Coach Lamonis came in a couple years ago or three years ago, I guess now, and, you know, sort of a relative unknown to Mississippi State fans coming from Indiana. And then, you know, his first year, you could sort of say, well, that was such a loaded team. They had just been to the College World Series, and he did a great job with them. But, you know, what's he going to do going forward? Now he has a national championship under his belt, and, and he's been recruiting at a pretty high level the whole time he's been here. Where do you rank Lamonis among coaches, not just in the SEC, but in the country? Wow, that's uh, that's tricky. I was, uh, you know, I, I know, I, I know. I, I was just listening to a podcast, uh, college football, Stuart Mandel and, and Bruce Feldman, and they rank the top twenty-five coaches in college football every year. And every year, I read that, and I'm like, man, why? Why do you put yourself through that? <laughs> uh, you know, he he. I mean, with the national title, you got to take Chris Lamonis very seriously as a top head coach throughout the country. Um, you know, yes, Mississippi State is set up to succeed. And yes, he inherited some really good players when he got there. Uh, but, you know, he he did what nobody has done before, what John Cohen and Ron Polk weren't able to do. And those are two great, great, great coaches. And, uh, you know, it, it's just not easy winning. It's not easy getting to Omaha. It's not easy, you know, doing it in back to back seasons like he did. You know, I mean, it, in the SEC, you've got some great coaches just in the West Division alone, let alone, you know, looking across the way and seeing Kevin O'Sullivan and Tim Corbin, who, of course, have national titles as well. I think he stacks up well. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily ready to say that he's as high up as, uh, you know, somebody like Tim Corbin with multiple national titles. He just hasn't been a, a head coach as long. You know, Tim Corbin has 20 years on the job, right, and, right. and multiple titles and Yes, there are a lot of advantages at Vanderbilt, but, uh, you know, I, I think you would have to say Lamonis is in the top 10 and, and maybe in the top five. You mentioned Landon Sims a minute ago, and I, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, his temperament and his talent will certainly make him an effective Friday night starter. When you look at the rest of State's rotation, I think a guy, you know, for my predictions would be Jackson Fristo, who's going to play a big role, you know, had a, an up and down year, sort of hit that freshman wall that we see so many times, but early in the season was pretty effective. Do you like him as a potential Saturday or Sunday starter for the Bulldogs? I think if he can be that, that would be outstanding for them. He's a guy that has SEC starting experience, and this is a team that you know is a little lighter on that, frankly. Uh, so if he's if he's able to to take that step forward, 
and you know pitch it at a high level, then that would be that would be great. I think he has the ability. Um, you know, obviously, what you saw down the stretch from him last year wasn't getting it done at a level that they were hoping for and and that they needed. Um, but you know, if they're able to to go back with him, get in the lab, and you know, work some things out, just get stronger, get ready for a, a, a full season, you know, then I I would um, I'd be excited about that. But uh, you know, I, I do think the way that last year ended did raise some some question marks and and did leave him some things to work on and. I'm sure he he spent the offseason working on him, and I'll be excited to see what it what it looks like now. Behind the plate, the Bulldogs have one of the best in the nation. What are you expecting this year from Logan Tanner? I mean, you, you gotta you gotta love the defense. You know, that's really what stands out with with him. Um, but I, he's a good offensive player. He's got some power in the bat. I think that they would, uh, you know, they, they they'll take whatever offensive contribution he brings, though, because he's so good with the pitching staff. He's so good with a running game. Uh, that th- those two things really stand out. And I mean, there, there's a reason why he's a potential first round pick uh, this year and, and what he's able to do, uh, you know, well-rounded player, what he did with USA over the summer. I, I think he's, uh, you know, that, that's one of the keys to, to this team, I think. You mentioned starting pitching a second ago in Mississippi State, you know, not really have any proven starting pitching. But when I look at the teams that are ranked highly, you know, Vanderbilt loses lighter and, and rocker. Uh, Ole Miss loses Hoagland and Nikhazy. Uh Arkansas with Pellet out for the season now. LSU, I mean, sort of unproven there as well. If I ask you, who has the most proven starting pitching in the SEC this season? Who is it? Who uh, the SEC turned over a lot of pitching. Um, you know, it's it's just not an easy answer. Uh, I, I think you can look at Florida maybe because Hunter Barco has as much starting experience as any like high-end pitcher in the country since he was a starter in 2020 uh, before the the season was canceled. Uh, So that could be an answer. Um, It might be the answer. There just, there is not a whole lot of returning starting pitching in the conference. A lot of teams bring back one guy, not a whole lot of teams bring back two. But by that same token, you know, State, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, bring back a ton of production at the plate. Is this going to be a year where the hitters kind of have the uh, the, the say of things uh, in the SEC? I do think it's going to be an offensive year in the SEC, but I, I don't think that it's going to you're going to see, you know, a lot of 10 to 8 games every weekend. Uh, I think that especially in the West, uh, you know, any game Arkansas or LSU – uh, is playing has the potential to become that kind of game at any time. But I, 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 there, while there's not a ton of proven pitching in the SEC, there is still a lot of really talented pitching, really powerful pitching, and it may take them a few weeks to to catch up. But I, I think that by the end of the season, you'll see plenty of uh, proven, impressive arms throughout the conference. I won't ask you for all eight, but just looking at the SEC, who are the teams that you would say today are most likely to end up in Omaha? Uh, well, I would start with Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Um, I like what Florida brings in terms of, uh, you know, they just have a really well-rounded uh, group. There's a lot of talent there. I, I think they can, you know, not like last year was a bad year, but by Florida standards and given that they were the preseason number one team, it was a little disappointing. I think they can bounce back from that this year. And um you know, I, I think that a fourth team could certainly sneak in there. I think that 
you know, whether that's Arkansas, Ole Miss, LSU, it, even Tennessee uh, wouldn't surprise me at all, um, or Georgia. I, it, it would be hard to pick. I guess, you know, we have Arkansas ranked the highest, uh, but I think LSU's ceiling is, is higher, you know, outside of maybe Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, Florida. I, I do like LSU's ceiling uh, the most in the SEC. One question about Arkansas that I saw, you know, some other preseason polls had them second, third, fourth. You guys were the last poll to come out and you had them ninth. How much did the injury to Peyton Paulette play into that ranking? Yeah, and we would have had them in a array. Like, we would not have had them second. We had them in the top five before Paulette was injured. Mm. And, you know, frankly, it was really hard to evaluate that because you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. And, you know, Paulette is a guy that, you know, was expected, still expected to be a first round pick probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you take that out of any team and that's a, that's a huge loss. But the more I looked at it, the more I realized that without Paulette, they're now without the guy, the, the guy, the the five guys who threw the most innings for them last year, they don't have this year. Uh, Three of them are in pro ball. Paulette is injured and Caleb Bolden transferred to TCU. Maybe that should have been playing more in my mind three weeks ago, but in the aftermath of his injury, I really couldn't get past that there. It's just going to be a completely different look on the mound. It was already going to be hard moving on without cops um, and Wicklander for that matter. But now also being down a guy that has the special talent of a, of a, of a Paulette, uh, we, we had to drop them in, in the rankings because of it. I thought you were going to say three of them are in the pros. And the other two were Kevin Cops. <laughs> How many innings? Who's a, who's a dark horse in the SEC this year? You know, I, I don't think Georgia's going to sneak up on anyone, but I, I just want to mention that, you know, Georgia, a team that missed the NCAA tournament last year, looks looks really good. I don't think they qualify as, as a dark horse. I think they're being ranked too highly right now. Uh, so I'm going to say Alabama. Okay. Uh, I like what the Tide have. You know, they snuck into the tournament last year. They survived some tough injuries. They brought in another really good recruiting class. You know, Brad Bohannon has just kind of quietly been doing his thing in Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, it really is unfortunate they don't have Connor Prelip this year, uh, you know, who, who was opening day starter the last couple of years, out injured this year. Uh, but even without him, I, I do like uh, the overall talent that, uh, that the Tide have. How long will it take Jim Schlossnagel to get it going at AM? You know, frankly, I mean, I could have said them as a dark horse because what AM is doing this year is fascinating. They brought in many transfers. They hit that portal hard. And if it works, they could be really good this year. They they got some really high profile guys. They needed a talent infusion, though. And, you know, with so many transfers, there's of course a potential that uh, you know, things don't just quite click this year. So I don't think it'll be long. It could happen this year for them. Uh, but I think within the next couple of years, you're going to see A&M back at, in a position that, that you would be familiar seeing uh, the Aggies. All right. I love talking college baseball. This is great stuff. Really appreciate it. Teddy Cahill, Baseball America, man. I know we will talk again very soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. So one thing I, I, I kind of disagree with Teddy, and maybe not all the way, but he says, I don't think we're going to see a lot of 10-8 games. Because, you know, there's just not a lot of proven starting pitching in the SEC this year. I don't know about that, man. We may see some some runs come conference play. I know there's talented arms out there, but there are there are the good hitters in this conference this year outnumber the good pitchers, the proven ones especially. Oh yeah, and uh, um Tennessee I think's lost their their ace yeah. for a while. 
Yeah, there, there's not a whole lot of great pitching in this league, but I, I also think it's, it's still a little too early. I think some guys might emerge. It's just a little unknown right now, I would say. Yeah. I mean, last year LSU's pitching was terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They, they always recruit really well, but I, mean, I don't know Hilliard's who they've back, added. But, I mean, is he going to be healthy? And, and Yeah. He's back? Yeah. How long has he been there? A long time. God. He's the he's the new uh, bl- he's the new Lane Mestipay without the results. But he's kind of got like that one pitch. Yeah, oh, I, know, I know the curveball. He's got third curveball guy. The guy you're talking about, Blade. Tid- great name by the way, Blade Tidwell, Tennessee Ace. Shoulder injury starting the season. That's never good. You know, nope. never good. So yeah, Tennessee hurting. Vanderbilt replacing Rocker and 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 Leiter. State replacing Bednar and and McLeod and Houston Harding. Ole Miss has to replace Hoagland and Nikhazy. Um, I mean, you just look around the conference, and there's just there's just not that. There's I don't know who the who's the best pitcher in the conference. He said it's probably you know, in terms of being proven, Hunter Barco at uh, at Florida. But I mean, again, he's not a guy who's put up huge numbers. That or Landon career. Sims. I mean, you got to put Landon Sims well, in that conversation. Landon Sims is certainly a proven talent, but we don't know what kind of starter he's going to be. I think he's going to be good, and I love the video going around of him showing off the changeup. But there, you you don't in terms of being proven as a starter, as a starter you don't have that. You, you yeah. can't do that. So I mean, Derek Diamond at Ole Miss has had some starts, but I mean he's been very inconsistent in his time there. So I mean, and I think he was dealing with a little elbow elbow uh, soreness. Yeah, and, and Ole Miss, you know how that that goes sometimes. So it's going to be an interesting year in the SEC, and I think states lineup helps them a ton because they have proven hitters and they have veteran hitters, guys who've seen just about... You, you go back, you know, you think about even a year ago, and you were like, man, Logan Tanner's never... How many guys had never faced SEC pitching? Yeah. And there was now, a ton. There was way more question marks going into last yeah. season. And that team won the national title. This team yeah. brings back... A t- and that's something that, you know, Teddy addressed because I asked him, I asked him, you know, what do you like about this team? He's like, they're just so many proven players coming back from a national championship. Yeah. So I mean, th- th- this isn't a, you know a team that's like oh they were pr- you know they were pretty good last year they should take a big jump no this team was the national champions and then you bring a lot of guys back and and I feel like Cam James hasn't hit his ceiling at Mississippi State Logan Tanner hasn't hit his ceiling I don't think that Luke Hancock has I know for a fact Callum Clark and Brad Cumbus haven't so there's a there's a lot of room for these guys who are already really good players to get better for Mississippi State yeah and you know everybody or not everybody but most of the teams, especially the ones competing for the championship, are going to have what looks like proven guys and a and pretty good offenses in this league. the The teams that are going to separate themselves are the ones that get it done on the mound. And I like Mississippi State's chances on the mound. I I, I know that there isn't a whole lot of guys that have been proven starters, but you still got a ton of weapons out there that you can find somebody to piece it together yeah and if if we learned anything from scott foxall and chris limonis is they can find a way to piece it together and have and have some guys that that really compete out there so i i I think there's there's a ton of guys that we're not talking about that are going to emerge as big weapons for mississippi state on the mound i i'm not worried about their offense i think their offense is going to be better than it was last year Mm -hmm. I just want to see what transpires with the pitching. But I, I I trust Scott Foxhall, and I trust the weapons that he has out there 
that they're going to find a way to have a good group. I agree. I agree with you 100%. All right, uh, back on Sunday, we'll talk about Mississippi's... Oh, one last thing. Royal Rumble prediction. Who takes the Royal Rumble? I I talked to our friend and noted wrestling podcaster Brandon F. Walker... Oh, uh, what's the day. F stand for? Well, your mom's listening. So. Frank. We'll go with that. Okay. Uh, he said this is the most wide open he can ever remember the Rumble. Yeah. That and the thing is this. When you look ahead to WrestleMania, you know, and by the way, if you're not a wrestling fan, now's the time to turn it off. But thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. You know that Lesnar Reigns is happening at WrestleMania. Yeah. So Lesnar and Reigns aren't winning the Royal Rumble. And, the, and they're both champions, right? Right. They're both champions. But I... There's a lot of smoke that Rollins is going to beat Reigns. I hope that that's not the case. I think uh, <clears throat> I think Rollins <laughs> has a shot to win the Royal Rumble. Yeah, is he? In, he's in the, he's a, so he's got a match and he's in the Royal Rumble. Well, that's happened in recent. Oh, it has. Years. It has. But I'm just I mean, making I sure. I could see that. I, I I could see him winning it, and if not, Kevin Owens to challenge who? Um, Brock Lesnar. Oof. See now, I see Roman Reigns. See, that's the problem though. Is if you want to do Reigns Lesnar, you got to get the belt off of one of them. Who who loses the belt? It'll probably have to be Seth Rollins beating Roman Reigns. Don't you think it makes more sense for Lashley to beat Lesnar and then you send Lesnar after Reigns? Yeah, it could because you know they just threw the belt on on Lesnar. Yeah. That that was not. I mean, that was a which didn't need to. Happen. That was a total. You know, Roman Reigns got COVID and we got to figure something out to make a splash here. Right. Um, so yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I think I think Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins is your answer. I just I would love to see a champion versus champion match at WrestleMania and go ahead and unify the titles. There's no point in having undisputed, a undisputed and world champion. Yeah, there, you don't need two brands having. I've, I've been saying that for a long time. Who's a dark horse in this? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think who's who's going to be in it. Is Edge in it? I don't know if they would let him win Ed, it. No, because Edge is uh, is in the, the double tag. I don't think they're, hey, he's going to wrestle twice. The double tag. The mixed tag, I mean. I'm AJ? To, AJ Styles, possibly. Hasn't won one yet, either. No. that's that's a good. And Randy a, Orton is always a dark horse. I don't think yeah. they would go that route, but... And they just split up AJ from Omos. Omos. And they're sort of splitting up Orton and Riddle. Yeah, so... so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely could see will AJ. There, will there be an AEW wrestler? No. I don't believe there will be either. No, I, I don't think that's going to be a thing. But I could see, like, Impact or somebody like that. Somebody, well, you know, somebody from Impact is in the women's match. Mickey James, right? Yes. So, yeah. So, I mean, I could see, like, is Mac, is uh, is uh, Zack Ryder an Impact? Matt Cardona? Yeah. I no, could he's see in him. GCW. Well, I could see him, maybe him coming in. I and, don't know, man. He's gone such a hardcore thing now. I don't know that. Yeah, but he's get, he's gotten kind of hot here lately. Nick Gage. Oh, God. Come in with some light tubes. There we go. It's too bad we, you know, he already debuted in AEW. We could have had the Royal Rumble housing. Yeah. Now that would have been something. Would have been fun. So we'll be uh, we'll be eating tacos and uh, gambling and trying to figure we'll out. We're eating tacos? Yeah. <coughs> what, what is that? No, it's fine. You got something against tacos? No, it's fine. I've just, I've had a lot of Mexican the last two weeks. Oh, well, I'm doing some different stuff. Though. Okay. Yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, yeah. I don't think we actually gave a prediction, but I, I well, I, I gave I gave three different. It is, options. Here's what bothers me, and I'm going to say it again. This is how this should go, right? It should be Reigns wins. I don't really care who wins the Royal Rumble. Reigns wins, 
Friday SmackDown, he just comes in like, there's nobody left. There's nobody left to beat. There's nobody left. I am the greatest wrestler in the history of the WWE. I'm the greatest wrestler in my family's history. If you smell, and that's where we go from yeah. there. That's how it should go. I they've am the tribal it. chief. They've booked it perfectly to get to that point. I don't know if they'll be able to do it, though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Would the what's, Rock what's come the back? Rock doing right now? Well, that's the thing. Would he come back for one last run? To he'd have to be, But the problem was this. He'd have to win. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do if he doesn't? If he well, well, who's who's going to beat Roman Reigns? Well, I think if he doesn't win, then then you've got something real. You're like, okay, Reigns is the ultimate monster. Who can beat him? And I don't know who who that person is at that point. They'd you have just to, have to let him be that to, for a while until they have to build somebody, Braun Breaker or somebody. And I'm not saying that would be him. But I'm saying you have to build somebody up to that. Yeah, but I mean, can you go like four years with Roman Reigns as the champion? Just make him Bruno San Martino at that. But he's like, like a heel San Martino. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't hate that Wait, idea. Are they? Uh, so, are, are we watching two heels, Rollins and, and Reigns? I mean, like, yeah, what, kind of. Are we trying to make Reigns yeah. a face? I, I don't know what. I think happening. they've tried. I think, I think there's two heels. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. But well, it is what it is. So. Oh well. All right, guys. Have a great weekend, Robbie. And I'll be back with you on Sunday. Talk to you then. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.